Why, hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with David Michael Frank over Zoom video. David was born and raised in Seattle, Washington, and talks about how he got into music. He started playing guitar at a very early age. He said he got his first guitar, he thinks, for Hanukkah. And his best friend's dad was the guitar player in Heart, or is the guitar player in Heart. So he learned how to play guitar from a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame legendary rock star, which is really amazing. He talks about the bands he played in in high school and into college, a boy band he was kind of thrown into in Los Angeles that he was founded from or recruited from uh, via his YouTube channel. We hear about his previous project, Future Sunsets, and how that has morphed into now his uh, project, David Michael Frank, uses his name now. He has a double album worth of songs that are ready to go. He's released a few singles under David Michael Frank thus far, his most recent one being F Me Over. So uh, David talks a lot about that song and this amazing tour he has coming up. It's such a rad, unique concept. It's his private party tour where he has personally rented out a bunch of venues across the country and he's thrown a, a private party at each and every show. He's got all the details for you and uh, you can watch the interview with David Michael Frank and myself on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this, on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts. We would really appreciate it if you follow us there as well and uh, rate and review the podcast. That would be so amazing. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with David Michael Frank. Hey, what's up, man? How are you, David? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, no problem. Sweet. Uh, I'm Adam, and this is about you, uh, your journey in music, and we'll talk about the song coming out, I believe, Thursday or Friday, right? Yeah, I got, I got a song coming out Friday. Yeah, exciting. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. Uh, are we going to just get get right into it, or we get say hello, or I know you're already recording? I just go right into it. Sweet. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, cool, man. So I did, I don't know, the inter- internet's deceived me before. Are you originally from Washington State? Is that what I saw? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Seattle. Okay. Tell me about Seattle. Were you in the city of Seattle or outskirts? I was in the suburbs. Um, I grew up in a at a sort of a very exciting time with with music and also sort of like the youth music scene. There's a lot of like really incredible venues. And it was also the MySpace time. So ah. uh, I was playing shows as like a 12 year old with like 14, 15, 16 year olds, because there was all these youth venues that were that were like so inspiring and killing. And a lot of them went on to do such great, uh, great things. There were like bands that I was playing shows with, like this Providence and uh, the scene aesthetic. Um, uh, even like there was a band that ended up becoming Portugal, the man. Um, they oh, were wow. all just sort of like the older kids um, in the scene. So, yeah, Seattle was awesome for that. That's amazing. Do you come from a creative musical hustle at all? Like parents in the uh, music f- or bands or anything? No, I'm first generation. My mom's a photographer, so there's an element of that. And then my dad worked for Costco, building literally every Costco ever. Um, so oh, I grew wow. up on that. Well, yeah. And then he he had such a great job. But I was the like rebel musician who like didn't didn't uh, 
get to go the <laughs> career path of like working the same job for 30 years. Sure. Um, well, I mean, I will do that, but not for a corporation. Um, yeah. So I'm first generation, um, but I've, I am new to the world of understanding like sort of the the family line of music. I, I married a, um, my wife. Her whole family is musical. Her dad's a professional musician. Still, their band's been together for over 30 years. And he they played like the biggest shows, the NFL Draft, the Super Bowl, all the AACM, CMA awards. They're the band for everything. Um, oh, they're just like up- the, the backup type band? Yeah, she grew up oh, like, wow. going to daddy's arena shows with Faith Hill and all those big acts that he was playing with. Um, and so she grew up. My wife's not a professional singer, but she's incredible. And then their whole family, like when I go over there for Christmas, it's like perfect four part harmony. Everybody, everybody like it's like if you guys been rehearsing all year, like and they're all just <laughs> professional. Musicians. They're like, David's coming over. We got to show them stuff like everyone's just like, oh. Like we, all know he's Jewish and, we all know he's Jewish and doesn't understand any of the, know any of these songs <laughs> at all. Anyways. Oh, that's funny. Well, that's awesome, though. So um, but mom is a photographer. That's a pretty cool gig. Yeah, I mean, I, but like it, if the leaves were pretty, she would like wake us up and be like, put on a turtleneck. And we'd be like, well, oh, no, mom. Okay. And we'd, like have to line the leaves. We'd be like, there's spiders. She's like, shut up, smile. <laughs> uh what about uh you as far as how did you get into music did you pick up an instrument early age did you piano guitar anything like that yeah it was probably like a hanukkah you know it was probably just a a hanukkah guitar that uh um actually i think i got a guitar and my sister got like a little drum thing and then i ended up just taking both of them um and yeah it just <laughs> became it became an addiction i i got lucky where there was a student in my class and his dad was in a classic rock band called Heart. He was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, no Heart. way. He was a guitar player. Damn. And he also was my friend's dad. So he like taught our soccer team and he gave me guitar lessons. And um, so I like learned how to play guitar from like a guitar legend. rock and roll Hall of Fame yeah. legend. Yeah. Um, which was just really cool. And then, yeah, I just got addicted to music. Um, I, I ended up going to University of Oregon studying business and vocal performance. Um, so still, you know, involving singing. And this was after growing up in bands and begging people to come to my shows. And mm-hmm. um, and then and then uh, of after after college, I started to put out original music and got got a little bit bit by the bug of seeing the impact that it can that like my words can make on people mm-hmm. where like I started to get letters of like, um, you know, sort of the, the hope in their dark times are feeling a little bit less alone from my music. And and that sort of changed my whole like life plan and trajectory um, from sort of having like maybe be, you know, plan B's in life, um, uh-huh. playing it safe to like, no, like I want to make music what I want to do because I know the impact that it had on me and I'm seeing firsthand the impact that it's having on other people. Um, and then that was it. I, I just, uh, I have like a long history. I, I've literally seen all the dark sides of the industry. I was put in a boy band. I was in a, a band that was independent. I got screwed over multiple times. It's been a long journey. I've seen so much, so much uh, difficulty, but I started YouTube in 2011 and I'm a professional musician and I do it full time. I uh, I live, I bought a house outside Nashville. I, um, I have built my dream recording studio. Yeah. Uh, are you in your studio right now? Is that, or yeah, is that, this is, Oh, wow. This is the main room. This is just like set up for me where I've got this like beautiful desk and I've got a mix of like analog and digital stuff. It's like a gear to use. I work with a lot of great uh, gear companies as well. Um, And then there's a little stage in here. Usually it's set up with couches, but I'm going on tour in a little bit. So it's set up for rehearsal. Um, And then I've got a vocal booth 
And then, and then a lot of this is all construction. Like anything in the other rooms is all construction. In this room, I put in more drywall and I painted and put in floors and all the stuff. But I built a room that's a drum room that is a room within a room that if there's a tornado here in Nashville, which, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm in Nashville place. too, south of Nashville. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm in Mount Juliet area. Yeah, that's the okay. safest place to be uh, because it's a room within a room and then all the drywall is not touching the studs. It's on little metal channels and then those metal channels are on little rubber like clips and everything's isolated from each other. Um, yeah, so it's my dream studio. It like works perfectly for everything I need to do for audio and video and it's ready to go at, you know, in a moment. That's amazing. Wow. Okay. So you, so you started obviously in, in Seattle, you said you're in numerous bands. Uh, was the boy band thing around high school? Like what, like what, what was the progression there before you started to release I, uh, your own music? I started, I started to do YouTube covers, um, in college and I, uh, I got sort of discovered online <clears throat> and I got brought out to Los Angeles and I got put into a band that, had really great management, but it had uh, an old pair of management and a young pair of management that did a joint venture right as they signed us to be a boy band. And we were going to be the next like rock one direction. This was before five seconds of summer. And okay. We had all the promises. We had all the television show. We had all the things that were like so we lined our up. lives away. Yeah. We, and we were getting wined and dined in the Soho house in L.A. And like it sounded really cool. And there was a lot of conflict between the managers. And we ended up sort of they tried to make us like tattle on each other so they could break their joint venture off. And we were like these sort of like divorced stepchildren of babies or whatever. You know, we were like, we were their, their kids. And uh, we we decided to try to fire them all. But our contracts were so bad. And meanwhile, this is all legal stuff. So this turned into like them trying to get like quarter million dollars out of our parents or else we'd never work out in the music industry again. We ended up like just cutting ties and and we didn't really ever see them again, even though they gave us a bunch of like cease and desist letters for like doing our own artistry. It was a nightmare. Um, but uh, yeah, got past that. And, you know, four guys in a boy band became three guys as an independent rock band. Um, and then independent rock band did really, really well. Um, we won Hot Topics, National Battle of the Bands. We toured the U.S. many times. Um, for example, there's a band called Against the Current. They're still out there mm -hmm. crushing. We were yeah. direct support on their debut headliner. We've toured wow. with a lot of people. Um, and then... We had a horrible situation happen where um, one of the members uh, changed the passwords to all the social media and held it hostage for a lot of money um, and whose family oh, had, had mafia ties. Um, and so that turned into a bunch of threats. Um, and then three guys became two guys and we were forced to change the band name, even though all of those songs I wrote and those lyrics that were tattooed on people like those were my words, my stories. And like, even if you handed me a guitar right now today and you're like, you'll play a song, I'd probably play one of those songs. And it sucks because like a lot of my back catalog of music is under these other band names that like sort of disappeared. Um, and so now three guys became two guys and we changed our name again. We had no choice because we didn't have access to the social media and we were called Future Sunsets at that point. And then okay. I held on to Future Sunsets for a long time. And then like every band, my guitar player fell in love with a Norwegian model. And he was like, I got to go to Norway. And I was like, this happens. To, this, this is exactly how Panic at the Disco happened, too. Um, it was <laughs> sort of a joke. Um, but then I just like Brendan Urie, I held on to the name. So I, I held on to Future Sunsets for a long time. And uh, just a year ago, I switched over to my name. Um, so now I have one song under my name that I came out with last year, a song I came out with a month ago and a song that's coming out this Friday. And then I've mm -hmm. got 20 
four more songs that are literally at the all at the finish line. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I saw you have an, uh, an album coming out, like a debut album, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to be really smart and strategic about how I release it. I mean, I have a double album worth of material that's all done. Um, and I'm really proud of it. And everything sounds awesome. I did the drums, you know, here. Uh, brought in a great drummer and 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 I've got great gear and I'm a nerd as far as audio engineering and production and and I'd like to think my mixes are competitive um, and I've been having the number one guy in the industry named Ted Jensen at Sterling Sound I've been having him master my songs he mastered everything from uh, Hotel California to like if Taylor Swift puts out a new album which she put out Speak Now or whatever recently she'll have Ted Jensen master it he like Damn. literally masters everything. He did Green Day, American Idiot. He literally he does every big record and he's the best. He's so freaking good. Um, so he's been mastering my songs and I've just been blown away by how how he's finishing up my work. Um, so, yeah, I've I've got a bunch of songs that are like done and that's awesome. I'm going to go on tour. And then, wow. I'll yeah, the tour, the, the tour is a really cool concept. So I want to get into that. But uh, just so it sounds like you I mean, you've been in a bunch of bunch of bands, a bunch of you know, situations that didn't end up working out. Um, but you kept uh, Future Sunsets for a while. I think it's still like an active uh, Instagram I saw. Yeah, I might have point. promoted myself a, a little bit um, uh -huh. sometime as I changed over. But I, I definitely changed everything over. It was tough because I had, uh, I think I had like 160 songs uh, on the Spotify's for those. And now I was about to launch David Michael Frank, but there's another David Michael Frank. Don't get me started. He's like my arch, my arch enemy. Um, oh, the guy that, yeah, I looked him up and or when I was researching you, he came up and I'm like, this guy doesn't look like he was born in like 48. <laughs> Damn you, David Michael Frank. Um, yeah, no, we're competing over Spotify and he's he's ruining my my life, but it's OK. I'll 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 push through. Um, um, yeah, I didn't I would think that he wouldn't be on Spotify just because I think he's just as he's like a composer of some sort. Yeah, I screwed myself because I I took over. When I switched a year ago, uh -huh. I I took over what sort of was his Spotify, but it was technically my Spotify because I released one thing in 2011 under my name. It was like me live in my backyard with my friends, but it, so it was mine. And then he uh -huh. took he took he uploaded all of his stuff over those that decade or whatever to his back catalog. And then when it was my time to to switch over to David Michael Frank, I I claimed my old one back because I, I had dibs. And yeah, so I kicked of him off. But the problem <laughs> is my related artists are now so bonkers that like I'm in this uphill algorithmic Spotify battle to try to fix it. And I've begged Spotify and they said, just keep sending traffic over. It'll re refresh your algorithm eventually. It slowly has. But uh -huh. no, it's been an uphill. It's been annoying. It's been hard to move like literally millions of followers to a Spotify that is different from if they followed me on the past, they might be like, Oh yeah, I follow future sunsets or King the kid or whatever. Um, yeah. And um, now I got this other David Michael Frank messing with my Spotify algorithm. <laughs> oh man. Um, <laughs> so what made you decide to just go with your name? Was it after your the other person left uh, future sunsets to move to Norway? Well, I decided we to honestly, as I decided to keep future sunsets for something as silly as like I had some merch left over. I still had like maybe six hundred dollars of inventory of merch. I was like, oh, I'm just going to keep going as future sunsets. I got well, you had a name too. I mean, the, the band had like legitimate. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, yeah, we had we had some things going. Um, but I, I made the switch. Uh, I knew I wanted to make the switch. It felt disingenuous. Keep being a 
being a band by myself. Um, mm-hmm. And so when I, I got an offer to go on a tour last year, but as a special guest where I would literally just be a, a guest on a tour where I have a seat in the van and I sing on stage, I bring me up, they bring me up five songs in and I'm on stage for the rest of the night, singing harmony and lead with everyone. So I use that tour as my moment to get my shit together, to to get my name out there and get one song out and make the transition uh, on all the branding. Um, so I did. And then I knew I needed to I needed to focus on what I really cared about, which is my original music. And it also has always felt a big part of my identity that I've been neglecting because to make a living in this industry, doing covers or singing dream on or doing TikToks that you know will perform well is how you get people to fall in love with you, your message, who you are as a person um, and want to follow you. Um, and that's how you make a living or that's how I've made a living. Um, I know a lot of friends that have done other things and prioritized maybe the originals more and maybe have struggled to make a living. Um, and you still have to be smart and you have to be exceptional and you have to be good at business and you have to be, you have to be a great musician um, mm-hmm. and you have to have a content strategy and a production uh, workflow. Um, you have to have a lot to be able to be self-sustainable um, and you have to have people that believe in you. Um, and I'm lucky that I've had a Patreon since 2014. I have a small, wow. a powerful community that has like, supported me through a lot of this um and when it came time to change my name everybody was on board um i was worried about it um i made a stupid video about breaking up the band and i like was me talking to myself I was like i quit and he's like you can't quit and, you know, it, was like me or <laughs> it was stupid yeah that's pretty um, funny though but uh yeah but no one knew about future sunsets i was growing on tiktok so rapidly that my searches on spotify and google were david michael frank not future sunsets. I was literally like, go follow future sunsets. We were like, what is that? Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, it was difficult. So it, it made sense, of course, to change. And it felt like me. Um, mm-hmm. I do operate very band like. Um, and I do have like a drummer who sort of is like a band member, but he's not because it's my name. Um, oh. But he does a lot of the work, like all the lighting. He does like my tour is going to have incredible lighting design and like um, so he's the only other person that's sort of like a part of all of the stuff. But um, I, I pretty much do everything from content creation, video, audio production. I outsource where I can. And I'm at a place in my career where I can afford to outsource. So I work with great videographers, mm-hmm. but I could also do it myself. Uh, I work with great. I, I, I outsource some string arrangements and stuff like that, but I could program them myself. But there's only so much time uh, and I'm not the best at everything. Um so I outsource to people that are better than me at, at certain things. Um, and yeah, yeah I mean, that's the way to do it, right? I, mean, I the podcast, I'm this podcast, is basically just a, me and my wife and my brother in law helps, and we outsource some of the things. Like, I, yeah, I could do it all, but there's not enough hours in the day, and you just get buried, and you're doing work that you're like, oh, this really isn't that beneficial. <laughs> like, if I could get somebody else to do it, like, help me out. You know what I mean? My and and yeah, no, I understand. My advice to musicians or anybody sort of in the creative arts and podcasters is um, a lot of the revenue streams that are that are built in that you think that you would make your living in. Like, let's say you wanted to be a musician. You're like, yo, I'm going to be a musician. And then you like only have your Spotify. You will not make a living. If 100,000 people listen to your song on Spotify, you'll make three hundred dollars. 
let's go back to a, a time that I was an active musician. If 100,000 people bought something on iTunes, that would be $100,000. You see right. the shift in since 2015 or yeah. so? Yeah. Um, and I've seen a lot of my friends that were like big dogs on YouTube getting those hundreds of thousands of dollars on iTunes and then not pivot appropriately. And I've had sort of a consistent, like, I'm not big, but I'm, I've been sustainable and I've been shifting my, my business this entire time. Um, so my advice to, to you or anyone that's doing content creation and wants, um, to make a living, um, there's a lot of revenue streams out there and you need multiple, but if you only have the 0.003 cents that you can get from somebody who's had an impact from your art, and that could be literally like, like I said, feeling less alone, feeling understood, uh, you know, like I remember listening to Chester Bennington when I was a kid and like listening to his voice and being like, like he literally had a song that was like, I want to run away, never say good. But I was literally going to like leave that shit on on repeat and like run away. My parents going to find it and be like, oh, he left this. I want to run away song on Oh, the bastard. Um, right, but like, right. I remember that. And like there's there's a real there's a real like uh, value to art that Spotify does not give you your worth back to you. It doesn't tell you your worth. If mm-hmm. I value my worth on my Spotify, I couldn't buy my groceries. Right, but if I value 100%. my worth on something more tangible. So like if you have an opportunity that somebody who wants to support you can give you $20, do it. But if you don't have that opportunity out there, good luck making a living with your art. Like you have to have those opportunities and maybe you're, you would be a great person for cameo. I don't have cameo, but whatever. There's a million different things, but if you don't have merchandise or you don't have merchandise that, that is at a a profitability margin that makes sense. So a lot of those outsourcing companies where they print on demand, if you sell a $25 t-shirt, you might see $5 because they're just doing everything and they print it on demand. Yeah, and they're like, I here, work- we'll use your, we'll use the marketing that you did, or your name, or your brand, or whatever, and just you get exactly. three bucks for that, like hundred percent. Yeah, they do all the work, but like, if you set up your business like that, you're sort of screwed. Whereas, like, you can always upscale to that situation when you're ready. But work mm-hmm. with your within your means. When I do t-shirts, I work with a local family, awesome t-shirt printing company. I get good stuff but I get it at a good price and I'm paying this family. They're really sweet. They just had a baby. They print my shirts. I own my shirts. I take them back here. I have a room in my house that is organized, small, medium, large, extra large of the different merch. And I ship my merch myself. And if it's a $30 shirt, it might cost me $8 to make. And I'm truly going to be able to make a profit. And those people that want to rep my merch because my music has affected them, they're actually giving value back to me instead of it just getting watered down. Mm-hmm. No, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, yeah. See, I love what you're everything you're saying because this podcast is you know built for, and that's actually the last question I ask people is they have any advice. So I'll probably ask you again <laughs> if you have like a little snippet of what we talk about. Advice. But um, yeah, it's it's just how do you do this? You know what I mean? Like how do you sustain? You don't have to be Blink One Eighty Two to live off of being a musician. I mean, it would be great, but. No, it's and you don't have to win reality. a singing contest online either. Yeah, hundred percent. You do need um, to be phenomenal. You do yeah. the you talent is really always going to be very important. And and if it's disingenuous or like if you don't believe the artist's like words and like it doesn't seem genuine, it doesn't cut. 
but like when you heard Adele sing Rolling in the Deep back in the day or you heard like like Ed Sheeran or like Olivia Rodrigo, when when driver's license came out, the whole world shut up and listened to her because they believed this kid going through something we all went through because it was real. Mm-hmm. And like people see through the bullshit, which is why a lot of those like writing sessions and whatnot, like those the machine of it. It's great. And you can get really great at writing, but it does water down the like the true who is this artist and that genuine art and talent will always have a chance to cut through. But if you don't have the business backup, good luck. You can be talented, but without everything, you don't have the X factor. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam packed days. Well, I have the solution for you. It's Adam from Bringing It Backwards. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your doorstep. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tracking all your holiday to-dos. Factor wants you to skip the stress of meal prepping over the holidays. I know I personally have kids at home that are home from school on break, which means they're home all day. <laughs> Not only that, but, you know, driving to the extracurricular activities, their friends' houses, doesn't leave a whole lot of time for meal prepping. Factor lets you choose from over 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all delivered right to your doorstep, and they're ready to eat in two minutes. That's right, delivered right to your doorstep and ready to eat in two minutes. You don't get the food delivered to you, and it's like, okay, I've got the food, but now I gotta spend 45 minutes, an hour, prepping all the food and making it so I'm ready to eat. This is two minutes delivered right to your door, fresh, never frozen meals, supporting your healthy lifestyle and this november get factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh flavor-packed meals delivered right to your doorstep again ready in two minutes no prep no mess flavor-packed meals delivered right to you all you need to do is head to factormeals.com slash b-i-b-t-v-50 and use the code BIBTV50, BIBTV50, and get 50% off. Factormeals.com slash BIBTV50 for 50% off. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. I think that's why TikTok became such a successful platform, because... It wasn't about the glitz and the glamour and the production value. I mean, there could be a video of somebody just grabbing their phone and being like, blah, blah, you know, singing something or coming up with something without the, you know, the ear candy, the eye candy. like it, it could just be something. It could get a million, two million, three million, four million views because it's just real and raw. And it's just, wow, this yeah. person's talking to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then that does become, of course, something that people learn how to do well. Um, right. But it doesn't but, in the beginning, it doesn't take I mean, especially when it started, it didn't take any. You know no, what I mean? Yeah. And artists would blow out it, blow up out of nowhere because of it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, so it's well, been a crazy time. And then, yeah, my tour is nuts. Yeah. Tell me. So I was reading about the tour. Uh, very, very cool concept. So you're renting out these venues and you're throwing a party. It's not just like, OK, come see me. I'm going to be playing at whatever uh, Brooklyn Bowl and the tickets are 25 bucks and I'm going to play whatever equivalent venue everywhere else in the world. Uh, yeah, so you're doing it totally different. different. Yeah, no one's I don't think anyone's ever done this for a lot of reasons. Number one, it's fucking nuts. And number two, it's, <laughs> um, it took a, a it's taken a lot of risk. Um, <clears throat> at the top of the year, I said, look, I'm going to stop making covers. I'm just going to focus on original music. And so mm -hmm. I started doing that. I literally spent all day, every day on, on my album. Right. Which is literally a double album. Um, I found out. Well, I started begging for tours. I had like a handshake deal with somebody in the agent world and. I was begging for tours, you know, spring and summer and fall was coming up. I wasn't getting opportunities I wanted. And I was the only offers I was getting were sort of like shitty deals in the industry, in the touring industry, especially in the club world. The only people who are getting paid and they're not really getting even getting paid, but the only people are getting paid are the headliners. And then if you're a supporting act, you usually only get an offer of a flat rate that's just a few hundred bucks. You're you're not going to be able to pay your band. You're not going to have enough gas money to get to the next city unless you sell enough shirts. You're going to lose money to go on tour. So I got a few offers that were trash and offensive because I'm worth tickets. I've toured the U.S. and Canada and Europe many times, and I have a fan base. But I did switch over to my name, so I understand I have less on my resume. Fine. Um, I was getting bad deals. My wife and I found out we were pregnant, which is really exciting. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but that that also meant like I'm not getting the touring I'm going to get. And then it, I, you know, we looked at each other and I was like, hey, so like this album, like, what do I do? Like, if we're going to have a baby at the very, very end of the year in December, like, what do I what do I do? Do I not release anything until like the baby's old enough and we're like good at like all that? Like, do I just hold off until next summer? And it sucks. Like it really sucks, but we decided that like it made more most sense to to do a quick thing now. Um, and so if I'm back by Thanksgiving and I'm gonna you know get back, she's gonna be like 36 weeks pregnant. Like it's a little risky. It really sucks for her to have to be alone. But I feel crazy supported, um, and and thankful, um, and feel bad. I feel shitty to leave. Um, but but uh, she uh, I, I decided I was gonna do this. So the only way to do it without the gatekeepers, the agents and the people that can get you those opportunities was an idea I came up with that no one's ever done. And I, and it was it's sort of nuts. But what I did was I I, I went on, I, I mapped out all where all my fans live. I take really great data. That's another piece of advice. But get data. Those if you make a tweet that's like, hey, tell us where to play. Drop it in the comments of their Facebook posts. Tell me. You never know how to contact that Denver person again, but I take great data. So I know where everyone lives. And so I mapped out a drive that was doable of this day here. I can drive this in six hours and this in three hours. Oh, I need a day off for this. I mapped it out. And then I went on a bunch of different websites, not sponsored, so, but peer space and whatever. There's a bunch of them. And, and you can also just Google. And I found venues that rent out hourly and this is anything from a, a, a wedding venue to a church on a tuesday to in syracuse i have a mall that at seven o'clock the mall closes and it's just straight up my mall at seven o'clock like that's I'm badass like, um, <laughs> i'm like i have actually like honestly some of the coolest venues like ever and also because they're not like shitty rock clubs they're not 
all dirty and gross. They're like often really nice. And then some of them have incredible staging and lighting because they're production spaces. And then some of them are like flex space warehouses that I'm bringing in my own sound and lighting. That's okay. You know, my crew is multi-talented. So I found out, I, I planned out 24 cities that would work with my schedule and still get to be back here for Halloween to take our other baby on trick-or-treating. Um, but I, 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 24 dates and I, on my Southwest credit card, I put up 25K uh, and I rented rooms. I hired an event planner, put her on a salary. I locked down a crew that could do the sound, like bring in our own sound and lighting if need be, but also be be able to be a crew and a band like like a multi. Everyone's got a mul- everyone's a Swiss Army knife. Um, and then uh, because I've cut out the promoters, which a regular promoter gets fifteen hundred dollars of the ticket sales and they print local fly- they print flyers and they get you an opener if you don't sell enough tickets. I, since I don't have promoters taking fifteen hundred dollars a show, um, and who's I, picking uh, up flyers? What is it? Uh, this isn't the MySpace age anymore. You know what I mean? Like you just yo, hang out in front of a show and 50, hand out flyers. Promoter takes fifteen hundred dollars. Uh, regular That's wild. show, fifteen hundred dollars. I'm just gonna regular show fifteen hundred dollars to the promoter, a thousand dollars to the venue, and then a seventy thirty split maybe to the artist. And then you sell all your merch, and they go give us twenty percent, and they make all the food and drink. So. I didn't know they take a cut of your merch too. That's wild. Oh, it's nightmare, man. You you and then everybody like lies about how much merch they sold, but like now that's all digital, so you can't like lie about it. Back in the day, it would be like, oh, I only sold this many shirts, but like yeah, it's just like yeah. cash only. <laughs> yeah, so you might sell like a thousand, even if you sell a thousand dollars in merch, they're like, all right, cool, give us our two hundred, and they that's... get everybody in for food and drinks, and like it's a fucking nightmare. So, the, if if you're on a regular tour, the only person that gets paid is the headliner. the The opening bands get screwed. So. Um, and they don't get very paid like everyone else collected money before they get their money. And at the end, you have to like wrestle it out of them at the end of the night anyways. Right. Um, so um, I came up with this idea. I put the money down. I set up the crew. Uh, I started to look at all the other stuff that I needed, like insurance. I figured out that legally I can get the day liquor sale permit or just the day serving permit for alcohol in most of the states. Um so I've been buying those. I've been hiring bartenders. I actually at probably I think like of the 24 shows, I think probably like 14 of the 24 shows, I am able to make my own bar, hire the licensed bartender, and I'm able to profit on the bar legally. And for example, one of the bands on my tour is called Walk on Mars. I'm selling mm-hmm. Walk on Mars garitas. I'm David Michael Frank. <laughs> I'm selling David Michael drinks and I will be able to profit on the bar. That's awesome. I think uh, you I can do that here so- in Nashville, right? Yeah, totally. I have a decent yeah. social following. And so I played the influencer game a little bit. And Pizza Hut has come on board to provide free pizza for all of my VIP. Um, I uh, I also have a hot dog machine, so I will be able to sell hot dogs at the show. Um, I like have like a straight up like steamer with like a whole thing. Oh, like, wow. I, yeah, I, the box that like yeah. boxing people hang out inside of like shows and stuff with. Yeah, no, I, I got like a whole hot dog legit steamer uh, and <laughs> a funny outfit for someone to wear if I like want to have a little like shtick on stage. Um, but uh, so food and drink figured out. Um, and then I'm getting licenses in all the states that I can to get tattoo artists 
that I can employ them to have them come to the show. I already will have the I have a master tattoo designer and they're designing all the tattoos for the tour. And then I'll have all the the sheets printed out and then the tattoos of the tour. And and I'll be able to pay tattoo artists what would be normally a 50 tattoo, $50 tattoo. That's their money. And then we just up upsell it because it's such a special event and I'll take pictures with them. We'll post this stuff. And like it's so then now I can still profit on tattoos and I can employ tattoo artists. So from a business, yeah, I saw that on your website. That's cool. Yeah, the it's I was I was scrolling down. I was, I'm glad you're explaining that because I was like, oh, you're seeking tattoo artists. Like, what is this? Yeah. So like from a business perspective, the potential is very high, but um, there's a tremendous amount of cost, tremendous amount of risk. I'm paying money out the ass for all all kinds of shit that, you know, I need special insurance. Um, I'm having to write up a lot of contracts. Um, there's a, a lot of it, it, I mean, if you've ever planned a wedding, it's I, a I lot have. of event planning. Oh, I, yeah. It's a nightmare I'm, for like I'm doing 24 of those. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine that. and finishing an album and preparing to perform the album. And now I have a cold, which sucks. Um Damn baby. And you have a pregnant wife and a kid pregnant wife and, another and a baby. baby. Yeah. yeah. Damn, yeah. dude. Yeah. So it's a lot at the same time. But I I am going to get an opportunity to get my name out there and do something really cool and unique that people are coming out to the shows just because even the idea is crazy. Um, and I'm going to be performing the music that I've been in a hole working on. And uh, like a stand up comedian testing their material, I'm going to be testing my material. Only a few of them will be out. Like three of them will be out and I'm going to be playing an hour of original music that's like unreleased. That sounds like sort of dumb, but also really exciting. Like it's the first time people are hearing it. They won't be able to sing along to a ton of the songs, but they're going to probably remember them. And then as I drop these songs and, and leak things like and I'll, and I'll leak more choruses. So it's not completely you don't know what you're seeing. But the people that are coming out are because they fell in love with my messaging and 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 even the idea of what I'm doing and um. So it this idea, by the way, would completely disrupt the touring industry, especially if I were to expose the numbers on it. And I believe that. It scales up and it scales down. If you're a band that can sell 20 tickets, there are rooms available that you can rent for 20 people that you can do this at. And you could probably spend $80 and have that room and put on a two hour show. Maybe you have to spend $120 and you could put on a two hour, three hour show and you would be in a far better position than playing any of those venues when you'd be sort of screwed um, and you could build up to the next level. But like this, I'm seeing the rentals. I'm only doing like 200 capacity except for Vegas, but we could talk about that. But I'm usually doing mostly 200 capacity. I see the pricing of the of the warehouse spaces that do 2000 capacity. It's not it's like $450 an hour. And like, I could see that if I was actually selling 2000 tickets, I could, the, the business on doing that myself versus doing it at a venue is like, like nuts, nuts. Um, so I'm like, still like scraping by, but I know that if I sold out the tour or like what it could do, it would be great. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm really happy with where it's been. I, I haven't set on social media and, and, um, I am, I am profitable. I, I, I hit the green a, a little while ago. Um, I, I actually hit it pre relatively pretty quickly. Um, which was like, uh, I did shoot a little video, just embarrassing to post. Cause I got a little like choked up, but, um, I, I hit profitability 
Um, and now it all just comes down to making those experiences better for my fans. So that's what the money's literally funding back into. Um, that's so, so cool, man. It's such a really, it, it, it's a brilliant idea and a brilliant concept. And it's like you said, I mean, that could cut out a lot of people, right? I mean, if, if, if you're a big enough band and you're like, oh, why am I going to pay all these people and play the same venues if I can just kind of figure out other rooms? And I mean, obviously it's a lot of work instead of just being like, have someone else do it and you could just show up and play. But it sounds like that's a, that's a great move. And it uh, works especially for on your part. Yeah. You're a podcast, right? Podcast uh -huh. blows up. You could literally do the same thing. You could go on tour. You're, a let's say you're a professional photographer and like you have the, you have enough people following you to like want to hear a workshop on your photography. You could literally do the same idea. Yeah. You, could, you, any influencer, anybody with a fan base could do this and you don't need the gatekeepers to do it. Um, so, you know, I could put all this into like a business idea and like hire an app developer and like, I, you can right. tell I have really bad ADHD, um, <laughs> but so do I. So <laughs> I feel you, um, yeah, it's a really, it's a really exciting thing. Um, you know, I, I have to be successful. It has to be successful. And I recognize also not everybody is in a position to like take a risk and like put $25,000 on their credit card. Uh, but uh, I've worked, of course, really hard to get to where I'm at and I'm not crazy successful. I'm not like loaded. I'm fucking just paying a mortgage and doing all the shit and and fighting for a dream that I like never went and got that job that my dad always wanted me to get. You know, like I'm I'm just fighting for it for it because I believe in it. Um, And fuck, man, if I ever do get to like Madison Square Garden, like <laughs> I'm already will, man. Up. I mean, you yeah. You have, uh, I've done like 1600 plus of these interviews and everyone that I, a lot of people that I've talked to just said, just keep going, man. Keep believing in it. And you know, it'll, it's like, if you quit, yeah, a lot of people quit before, like right before they're about to succeed. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I and think, I'm not going to quit you're, anytime you're, soon. I know you won't. I'm just saying like, you got the, I mean, everything's there and you've got the fan base and the songs are incredible. I had a chance to hear the new one that you're going to release on Friday. It's a it's a really, really good song. F me over. Thanks, man. Thank yeah. You. And I the cool thing, I honestly I think I have like in a game of poker, I have not played anywhere near my best hands. I've got like some real bangers on on this list. But on the first one I put out. So what I wanted to put out something that was like not going to offend anyone or not going to be like like the rock people will like it, but the pop people will like it and i have such a broad fan base because of the different songs i've covered where like my heart will go on went crazy viral and then the i have like a huge fan base on facebook of like older people because of that but then like i've done some like broadway covers that now all the broadway people like me and then like i've done <laughs> some metal things and the metal people like me but like i'm sort of jimmy world incubus radio heady but i can sing like a modern steve perry kind of like I'm like Patrick Stump, Brendan Yuri, mm -hmm. Demi Lovato vocally. Um, so this second one, uh, fuck me over, f me over. I'm not sure how I'll refer to it, and and this is my first time speaking about it on a podcast. But this one I knew was going to be a little more um risky purely because of the title, um, you know, being explicit lyrics, but also the heartbreak that was sort of went into like the recording or the writing of that that song and sort of the the memories there, um, 
that's all like real emotion and it's hard to get into words sometimes what what you're trying to say and uh, I think the song does a really good job of it lyrically um and uh I sing my ass off on it too um mm -hmm. and there's and they've got a guitar solo like all the things man it's like the shit I like grew up like loving I like I like some I like just vocals that are cool. I like good lyrics. I like good beat and melody. And and I'm a guitar player. So I like I still like I'm not trying to fit in any boxes. Yeah, I'm right. trying to write like pop catchy shit. But like, I'm just being me. Yeah. That's I awesome. You know what genre? What genre is that? Does that feel like anything to you? Oh, uh, when I when I hear it for that song, I mean, yeah. it, it's got. I don't know. It's it's rock, but it kind of gives me like the the, you know, mid. 2000s like kind of that emo vibe to it sure um, i've got other other songs i have another one i finished that's very dashboard confessionally um i got some like breakdowns and some stuff too like i don't really know what i'm doing but um yeah i'm really excited about fuck me over um it yeah it, it drops really soon and um now it's just getting people over there and then and then the silliness of how do you promote songs now it's right <laughs> it's not just I'm I still love music videos. I still love music videos, but that it's not the thing. I've already shot a music video for it and I shot a music video for my last one. But what I've been doing is I've been hiring videographers here and I say, let's do 30 videos. Let anything we can come up with. Let's throw spaghetti at the wall while singing the lyrics. And that's the video. Let's do 30 videos of of whatever we can do to try to get people. Let's abuse that pre-chorus over and over again to get people to hear the song because if something goes it can go um mm -hmm. and that's the struggle it's a lot harder on the algorithms with original music than covers um sure. so to get talented video people to to push the limits of their creativity and hey, i've been yeah we've been coming up with some cool i got a lot of content ready to post for for fuck me over as well um, awesome i'm curious because you just because you mentioned earlier about the tour you said you know, there's only going to be a handful of songs that are, are a few songs that have been released and you're going to be playing all new new material. But you kind of related it to like a stand up comedian. You're like, I'm going to go out and test this material. Like, have you already out of all the songs that you've written, like the double album of music, have you already sift through and figured out, OK, this is going to make the album or are you going to use this as an opportunity to kind of see what people like? more i mean i don't know are you going to use this as kind of like a gauge to put songs onto the record or not at all a little but everything's going to make the cut everything's to get to this point already has been cut oh, okay but there's straight up 25 songs that are like at the end now which ones got finished faster than the others that just came down to timing of like vocals and whatever else like worked out mm -hmm. um there was a little bit of like a slight lean towards picking certain ones but i don't know what's the hits i don't know what the songs are i had one that i thought was going to not make the cut. And I actually outsourced. I sent the demo to to Israel, to a producer that I like. And I was like, look, man, can you save this one? And I think that one, he, he sent it back and holy shit. And I've done all the production <laughs> on everything except for that one. That was like the one where I didn't like produce like anything. Um, and he's that's that might be the song. I instantly got it back. I was like, oh, this has to make it into the set list. Like I started moving it forward so that that one could make it into the set list. So I, I don't know what, but I I do know that I have five songs done, mastered by Ted Jensen. Mm -hmm. I have two already out with Fuck Me Over. Mm -hmm. I have a third slated for next month, but I don't know exactly which one that will be. I'll probably do the Dashboard Confessional one because 
I want to do something that re- lyrically redeems myself from fuck me over being explicit, which is fine mm-hmm. that it is. But I know that people will be offended and that's OK. But I, I'm going to do something that now hits a little bit more on the hopeful side lyrically. Um, and I wrote a song that it toes the line of sort of it's a the song is called talk to myself and it's a message to myself and my own struggles and my own sort of like I'm not even that depressed but like the the darker moments of my life um and it that song is is it preaches in a way that's not preachy it it is hopeful in a way that toes the line of not being cheesy and it doesn't it's not cheesy it's it's really touching and and hopefully very inspiring towards someone in their dark moments so I, I do think lyrically, I'm going to try to take a change from from the breakup songs and moves to something hopeful. Um, mm-hmm. But I got I got a lot of different music, a lot of different styles. Um, I have stuff for the heavy people, stuff for the softer people, stuff for the pop people, stuff for the more acoustic people. Um, and everything's going to make the cut. And I just I'm going to let the audience figure it out. I'm not going to set release dates unless I can get something on fire. And I'm going to get something yeah. on fire. Love that, man. And that's awesome. That you, I mean, you have the freedom to do that, right? I mean, there's not a label or A&R being like, you have to put this song out then and you got to hold these and do this. So that's probably pretty freeing to have that, you know, yeah. be able to sustain yourself and then be able to kind of do what you want. When it comes to- yeah. Yeah. And I am at a place that I think for the first time I would really entertain that idea of a label. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I come in with a... Uh, often those deals um, are uh, onerous. They're often one-sided towards the label and artists that sort of uh, don't understand the big picture will sign something that, that might be a little bit sharky. Um, right. It's like, what but, can you guys do for me? And you can come in and be like, what, what can you do for me? <laughs> yeah, I, mean? I know what I need. I need right. connections and I need those bigger tours. Um, I'm going to be able to bring tickets to those people. I'll bring 150 people to whatever, you know, whatever city of that tour um and hopefully more than that um but i need the i need the connections i need those spotify playlists um but i don't need cash for recording because Mm -hmm. that's blood sweat equity that's me i got the gear i got the skills and i can outsource where i need to um but usually those advances that an artist would get you have to spend on your studio time and i already built my studio I, i got the studio time on lock so i just need the other stuff um, yeah, I just and it would be a partnership if I did have a label or a manager or something. So I'm I'm actually I'm in the I'm ready to start having those conversations. And I finally, for the first time in my life, have finished unreleased music mm-hmm. because for however many years I was exporting a mix and just straight uploading it. Just like, OK, oh, quick, yeah. <laughs> and, and now I'm going to have like I literally have a soundcloud of five songs that are done 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 master done and i'm not going to touch a thing on them they're done and i'm about oh. to have a lot more yeah. um so i'm really excited about that very very cool david thank you so much man for doing this, this has been uh awesome i've learned so much from you. this has really been an incredible yeah, but we should i mean if you're in the nashville area we should definitely hang out love to have you by the studio have oh i would love that have yeah you and your wife uh, yeah i got two kids as well uh, a little bit older than yours but um yeah that's awesome uh, I, have, cool. I have one more question. I, like I said, I already asked it or you answered it earlier, but do you have any advice for aspiring artists if they missed all the other incredible advice that you've already given? <laughs> um, yeah. Be able to get 
a end product with the things that you have. It could be your phone. It could be your laptop. It could be a shitty little interface and one mic. Be able to get all the way through the the art process of record, writing a song, recording a song to the best of your abilities, editing it, uh, all of the parts of the editing or programming or whatever it is, to to mixing it, to maybe to learning a little bit of mastering it, to taking your photo for the album art, to doing a little bit of graphic design, to shooting a little bit of a video, to editing a little bit of video, to getting all of it out there and then also release it and, and be proud of it. Because if you don't say your thing over and over again, they're not going to they're not no one's going to hear it. You need to be selfless, self selfless. I don't even know the, the right word for this. You need to confidently promote yourself. Um, and if you can do all of those things on your skills, you can then be somewhat sustainable and you can then work with people who are better than you and you can find where your voice is in some of those. You might be a video editor and that could be your voice in communicating your messaging and you might not know that but learn a little bit of everything. Then you'll be able to like figure out the big picture because if you don't know the big picture, you are reliant on other people and your chance of success drops drastically because you're gonna have to pay for it. And where does that money come from? But if you can't release it, you can't pay for it.